Hey, it's Alan Carter. Here's what's on the podcast today. Confusing and contradictory. Sure. Ontario's stay-at-home order might not make a lot of sense, but what's the key takeaway? Plus, columnist Bruce Arthur from the Toronto Star and B. Kwame with their reaction to what Ontario has announced. Let's get to it. Welcome to the program. My name is Alan Carter. There is a power in this voice that you hear, a responsibility. This platform, however you are listening, on the radio, on the podcast, this platform can save lives. And I take this responsibility very seriously, as we all must. If you have a voice, if you have a voice to speak, and there are ears to hear, then you know what you must do. We need to look to ourselves and ask ourselves, how can I amplify a message that will help, a message that will save lives? There are serious questions, serious questions to ask about the management of this crisis, this COVID crisis in the second wave by our political leadership. Who is in charge? Who decides? How is it possible to release a document as confusing and contradictory as the announcement of the new state of emergency? How can we allow enforcement of murky rules by the discretion of law enforcement? We are going to address all of these vital questions in this program today. But this instrument can save lives. This voice can help. So what you need to hear is this. Do the right thing. Be good to one another. Put away the frustration you may feel, the anger, the disappointment, and recommit to what you know is right. We all know it by now. Cancel your plans. Adjust your expectations. Wear a mask. And above all else, for the love of God, stay home. For the love of God, stay home. Keep your eyes on the horizon and your butt on your couch. And now, on with the show. We have plenty of entertainment here under the big top. Our feature entertainer. I'm going to come down on them like an 800-pound gorilla. 800-pound gorilla in the house. I'm going to come down on them like an 800-pound gorilla. 800 pounds of gorilla. Thank you, Doug Ford. That is Doug Ford yesterday. When asked, why is it? that I can get myself a pair of jeans at the Walmart. I mean, I, I probably shouldn't. They're not going to fit well. Also, why would I be wearing jeans? Those are hard pants. I don't wear hard pants anymore. That's from the before times. But that's neither here nor there. 800-pound gorilla. So he's got an 800-pound gorilla. That's the explanation why you can buy a pair of jeans in person in a Walmart, but everybody else is closed. 
because it's only essential shopping except for you can get curbside pickup. But what is going on? So full of head scratchers was this document yesterday that now the provincial government has actually put out an explainer, an FAQ, frequently asked questions about our impossible-to-understand document. Contradictory, inconsistent, incongruous, discrepancy. I'm just working on my thesaurus here. I got a thesaurus for Christmas. Who, what, whatever. Let me use it. So let's get to the frequently asked questions in our document from the provincial government. For example, here's one. Why is the province issuing a stay-at-home order while also permitting curbside pickup? How does that make sense? Well, I don't understand the, that. Thank you, Dr. Williams! 800-pound <clears throat> gorilla. Why, why is the province issuing a stay-at-home order while also permitting curbside pickup? I read directly from the frequently asked questions explainer put up by the provincial government. This question assumes every single person in Ontario has easy access to online shopping or that there's a big box retailer in their community. This isn't the case for many Ontarians who live in rural and remote areas. We've learned a lot over the past year responding to this pandemic, including the fact that what may be essential to someone in Timmins and how they buy that item may not be essential to someone in downtown Toronto who can easily buy items online for delivery. The government of Ontario determining what retailers may be considered essential risks, cutting off many Ontarians who don't live in Toronto or an urban centre from access to necessary goods. There's your answer, ladies and gentlemen, from the provincial government. You know what that answer is? That's up to you. Um, It's up to you. And so I go back to the way I began this program. We all have an instrument. We have our voices. And we can use our voices to say, this does not make sense. And I think we should. But I think that's the second thing we should do. The first thing is we need to encourage each other to do the right thing. And stay home, for God's sake! <clears throat> 800-pound gorilla. Oh, boy. What else have we got here on our frequently asked questions? Oh, this is good. I like this one. What is an essential trip? Right? So as of Thursday, we have a stay-at-home order, which the government says they don't want a curfew. Now, they don't like curfews, but we're going to go with only leave your home for essential reasons. So what's the definition, you might ask? Of an essential trip. Well, the provincial government has got an answer for you. Here it is. The government government of Ontario cannot determine what is essential for every person in this province, each with their own unique circumstances and regional considerations. That said, we have provided broad categories that people should consider before leaving their home. Food, health care services, including medication, Exercise or work where someone's job cannot be done at home. It's up to you. So there you go. It's up to you. 
That is the answer for what is an essential trip. Which brings us now to how do we then enforce an essential trip if it's up to you, each with their own, quote, unique circumstances and regional considerations. Here is Doug Ford explaining why we don't have a curfew, but instead we have a stay-at-home order in which you decide what your unique circumstance to go outside is. Here's Doug Ford. I've never been in favor of a curfew, and I'm going to tell you the reason why I've never been in favor of a curfew, and that's, that's a hard, hard lockdown. Cars aren't driving around, nothing at all, because I believe in the people of Ontario, and as soon as you tell the people of Ontario, you've lost trust and we're going to have police chasing you down the street when you're driving. That's it. It's game over. You might as well throw in the, the white flag. Um, okay, so the second that we enforce the thing that you're supposed to do and you don't have faith in the people of Ontario, then you might as well throw in the white flag, except for the things we've been doing so far haven't been working and the thing's spiraling out of control and we have a crisis and there's going to be no overwhelming number of people in hospital and no ICUs and blah, 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 and hundred people die a day. Did I get that right? Did I get that? I don't... Doc Williams, are you with me here? Are you with me? Do you understand this, Dr. Williams? I don't understand that. I don't get it. We went deep. Oh, my goodness. And that's the other thing, is he, he went deep. Or he said that on the way into his office yesterday prior to the announcement. That's Doug Ford. And when we asked about, you know, some of the contradictions and some of the problems, he was like, well, we, we manned, we hashed it out. We talked it over. We went deep. They, they, there were some serious conversations, you know. I mean, Lecce ate all the cookies at the table. It was, I mean, it was tense. People were upset. It's like, man, you ate all the peak friends. The door slams. The whole document really does have a feel of drawn up by committee. Because you have the recommendations that clearly came from the health table. When we heard what the doctors said, they said, you need you need enforcement. And you need paid sick days. Uh, and we really didn't get either one of those things, but they went deep. All right, let's bring it back around. Because it's easy to be frustrated, isn't it? It, I mean, the second wave is not Doug Ford's fault. It's not the provincial government's fault. The systemic problems in long-term care, not Doug Ford's fault. Not the Tories' fault. That's been a problem ongoing. The response in the last 10 months, you can quibble with. The response this week, where once again we say we're going to have a stay-at-home order, stay tuned, 48 hours, get out and do whatever you need to do right now. You quibble with that. You quibble with a lot of it. But the bottom line, stay home. It's not that complicated. Stay home and save lives. A stay-at-home order announcement that is so confusing 
the provincial government has put out a FAQ, Frequently Asked Questions. Here are some of your questions answered by the provincial government about the stay-at-home order. Why can people still gather in groups of five outdoors? That's permissible, you see, despite the fact that there's a stay-at-home order, which a lot of people said, well, I don't get it. Here's the answer from the provincial government. The outdoor gathering limit of five is in recognition of the fact that some people live alone and may require the company or support of others for their mental and physical well-being. Anyone gathering outside is expected to adhere to physical distancing measures and are now strongly urged to wear a mask. Okay. So the singletons can gather in groups of five. Okay. This is from the Toronto Star this morning. Quote, They just can't bring themselves to truly lock it down and take care of everyone they can. The author, Bruce Arthur. Columnist is on the line now. Hi, Bruce. Alan, how are you? I'm good. Have you been through this uh, frequently asked questions document? What do you make of it? When I was a kid, I used to read Choose Your Own Adventure books. Do you remember those where you yeah. get to a point at a page and say, do you want to do this or do you want to do that? Flip to this page or that page. This is that, but for public health, nine months into a pandemic. So stuff like what's an essential item? And I say the government of Ontario cannot determine what is essential for every person in this province. And what's an essential trip? The government of Ontario cannot determine what's essential for every person in this province. What is essential work? The stay-at-home order does not define what work or jobs are essential. Now, that's actually a really, really key one. The other stuff is, is your own risk analysis. Like what is essential to you? Um, it, it causes a, what's probably going to be a real mess. I've already heard from mayors who are worried about their bylaw officers and their police enforcing this because they don't know what the, what the actual rules of engagement are here. They don't know what their powers are. They don't know what is an essential trip because citizens are being asked to figure out the law in that case and what they think the law might be. And then you get into what's an essential job. And our, our place is written about this. And there are a lot of offices open right now and manufacturing places, open, which are not by any means essential in terms of a functioning society. They're essential if you want to keep the economy going. And the government will not determine what's an essential job. Um, and then you get into further down. Um, why hasn't the province defined who can or should work from home? And that, again, it's the government abdicating from its responsibility to try to keep people from being together. And the problem you get, the biggest problem of all of this, is that this is a document for people who can make those choices, right? Like you or I, I'm pretty sure we're comfortable enough that we can make those choices. I can choose to work from home. I can do my entire job over the phone. It's fine. Um, There's a lot of people, and this has been the case of the entire pandemic, who can't make those choices, who have to choose between going to work or losing a paycheck and not being able to make rent. There's a lot of that happening. And that's why You've seen public health, you've seen mayors, you've seen the associate chief medical officer of health in the province say we need paid sick leave as part of this lockdown. And this government has once again refused to provide it. So this document is farcical, right? This is basically them saying this is on you. And if you screw up and you get COVID, it's not our problem. In terms of what they're doing in terms of where people can get it in congregate settings, in workplaces, which has been a huge part of the pandemic, especially in Peel, that is the part of this lockdown which I think is probably the the biggest weak point and the part that's going to come back to haunt us. 
And, and that is that because as I go through, for example, the construction industry in other industries, that they did put out some kind of clarification of what qualifies to be able to go and and some of the stuff about like you know residential buildings where the footing is already poured, you can continue to working, and it just seemed like very similar to early in the pandemic. You know when the first list of essential workers came out back in March, and everybody looked at it and said, I, "Everybody's essential." Yeah, well, and it, it all depends on how you define essential, right? I remember writing a story in the first wave where one of the businesses that stayed open as an essential business during the first wave of the pandemic, when we were panicked, when things were really bad, and when this government actually made some really good decisions, one of them was a private jet factory at Downsview, and that was open. The only reason it closed was because they couldn't get parts from the United States. And there was a beer coaster factory. That was open. Beer coasters for which bars that were open exactly? Um, this government has made the choice all the way along that the economy is the most important thing. And if they happen to take care of public health, then that works out well for them. But that's the, that's the decision that they've made. Um, whenever this government says we're doing all we can, that's not true. Like the fact that construction hasn't been touched, even though there have been out at construction sites, like construction, there's been moderate restrictions, but they haven't been closed at any point of this pandemic. I don't know take a look at the donor list for the Ontario PC party and you'll find every major construction company on it. Um, similarly, they were really slow on landlords. They were really slow to enforce an eviction ban. They're only promising to revisit it now, even though it expired actually in September. Take a look at the donors to the Ontario PC party. There's a lot of landlord companies on there. A lot of this is relatively simple politics. It feels like, but it's choices. It's choices that are being made by this government and, what happened yesterday, like we're getting to a point where you talk to people who work in the hospital sector and the healthcare sector, and I've been talking to them for nine months now, and they have never been more worried, more angry, more resigned, because they know what's coming. There are, there are hospitals right now, and one of the items on the agenda is figuring out liability for when your doctors have to make choices that involve people's lives. They're preparing for that. And so this is the moment where you have to stop people from giving each other the virus as much as you can. And instead, what this government did is it has done all along, it protected, as I wrote, it, it, they, they're protecting the people who can probably protect themselves. And the people who can't, well, they're just going to have to shoulder the weight. I'm speaking with Bruce Arthur, uh, columnist at the uh, Toronto Star. Uh, and in the before times, you would write about sports. And um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I want to ask you about First of all, the optics of about the NHL starting uh, tonight and, and what that means. Uh, let's start with that. What, what, what's your feeling about that? I thought last year I didn't know if sports should come back, and I actually turned around on that um, because I've talked to, a lot of, again, a lot of doctors who have said sports has been a really welcome distraction for them. So, okay, I don't think there's a huge epidemiological risk in having hockey players play hockey, even, even when you've got – TV crews in the building. I don't think that that's a big issue. I think the fact that uh, they're also not crossing the border to the United States uh, in the hockey world, I think that's actually, at least optically, that's better. Um, I don't have as big a problem with it because, I mean, I do think that it does just provide a distraction. And I'm not usually a person who, who believes that in sports. I don't believe that sports provides an essential distraction in society. And, but right now, I don't think it's the worst thing in the world. I do think that if 
if we find out we don't have enough tests and the tests are going to professional athletes, then yeah, pull the plug on that. If we find that they are diverting from the healthcare system in ways that we, that we need, it's going to look worse probably in about a month because in about a month, the hospital situation in this city and this province is going to be really grim. And I don't enjoy saying that, but I, everyone who knows better than I do is telling me that. And well, that's, that's certainly what we heard like from. That, it'll feel like bread and circus, right? It'll feel like something that's the, the kind of the, the entertainment part of a really grim society at that moment. That's certainly what we heard from Stoney Brown yesterday. And I, 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 I can't stress him enough how impressed I am by uh, his communication skills. Uh-huh. Um, and man, do they ever stand out <laughs> in contrast to other communicators within this provincial government who was on the health table. And I, I'm sure you know what I'm talking about. Well, it's, it's remarkable, right? Um, who is the voice for public health in Ontario for your public health advice? Is it David Williams? If it is, then well, I've, I've talked to former colleagues of David Williams who have been in meetings with him, brilliant people who say they don't understand what he's talking about. So that's not a great scenario. Is it Doug Ford? Doug Ford has routinely fumbled public health advice throughout the entire pandemic, from spring break to Thanksgiving to Christmas. Um, that is not something you can do. Stanny Brown is, is a guy who I think, I hope the government starts to rely on more because there is no artifice there. There is no acting there is just distilled information from a guy who spends a lot of time with the science, who's the head of the science table in the province, volunteer independent science table. And he was tremendous. But think about this. Think about the gap between what, what they showed in that modeling presentation in terms of the hospitals, in terms of the variants which are here. And we are looking for with very limited testing capacity. And we found some, including some cases not linked to travel, which means that the UK variant is in Ontario and we don't necessarily know where it is. With that and the fact that what's happening in long-term care across the province and how, how really awful this sounds, like this, is, this has all been building for five months now in the second wave. And then at the end of that, you get a choose-your-own-adventure, stay-at-home order, a no-paid sick leave, and a province that is so confused by what you have just announced, they still will not have the legal specifications for the stay-at-home order published until tonight. This feels like a college paper. They got rushed. And I don't understand that. I honestly don't understand how it took a five-hour cabinet meeting to get this stay-at-home order as nonspecific and, and vague as it is and how you didn't already have the work done as a government because you could see this coming, because the numbers have been building and building since September, because the hospitalizations have been building and the hospital's been telling you, public health's been telling you, public health Ontario's been telling you. It just is astonishing to me and really disappointing because it didn't have to be this way. And maybe this is the best this government could do, and it's certainly not entirely their fault. The feds own some of this, municipality owns some of this, people own some of this. But the number one factor in terms of controlling the pandemic belongs with Ontario's provincial government. And they have, at this point, I think pretty manifestly failed. Bruce Arthur, columnist with the Toronto Star. You can read his column. It's online now in the paper this morning. Bruce, great to talk to you. Thanks for coming on. Thank you, Alan. What do we know about enforcement from the provincial government so far? Here's the Solicitor General, Sylvia Jones, talking about how the stay-at-home order will be enforced. These measures will be enforced. A greater authority will be provided to enforcement personnel across Ontario to ensure restrictions and orders are followed. The measures will be enforced. 
and greater authority will be granted to law enforcement, by law enforcement, and what we're hearing from the provincial government, it will be at the discretion of those who are tasked with enforcing these measures. What did you hear when you heard that? How did that make you feel? What did you think about? A lot of it will depend on the community that you come from and your experience with authority and your experience with police in this province. To get a better perspective on how some communities are thinking about this, I'm pleased to welcome my next guest, B. Kwame, who is a writer and a radio host and heard right here on this radio station on the program Cultured, 8 p.m. on Saturday, B. Kwame. Welcome, B. Hey, thanks for having me. What did you make of up to the discretion of Ontario law enforcement to enforce stay-at-home orders? What, what did you take away from that? You know, two, two words immediately came to mind for me, confusion and concern. Confusion, and actually, let me reverse them. Concern came first, because hearing, as, as a black woman myself, hearing that police have the discretion to enforce these stay-at-home orders as they see fit. The first thing I tweeted, I think, after I I saw that said, you know, I I guess I'll just ask some of my white friends to do my curbside pickups for me, just so that I don't have to endure uh, the situation of possibly being pulled over and being asked, what am I doing on the road? And, And trying to figure out how do I prove that what I'm doing is essential enough, not knowing what this particular particular officer's thoughts are going to be on on how they value my answer. So I was thinking about the concern of racialized folks, many of whom are the people who have to be out, who are working in the factories, who are working in long-term care. I'm thinking of someone like my mother who is working at a testing center. Do all people need to start carrying their work badges on them? How do we prove that things are essential? Because there's there's just such concern about what discretion means when we don't have key oversight. And then we get into the confusion where we don't know what this means. We don't know what discretion means. Um, we're seeing reports from the National Association of Chief of, Chief of Police saying they're receiving inquiries from police departments wondering what's being expected of them. Nobody really knows what this means. So it's a word that carries a lot of weight, but we don't know what to do with it or what that's going to look like going forward. Apparently the province is going to update uh, later today, at some point today, with the actual legal framework from the Solicitor General's office is saying that it's coming up. But there are so many questions, and I'm just wondering, you know, how you interpreted the Premier's message of, well, just, you know, everybody knows what they should do, just stay home, don't only go out if it's essential. That, you know, I feel like we're in this phase, and and I'm definitely not the first person who's ever said this, but the individualistic aspect of, you know, we're hearing everybody should know what they're supposed to be doing and what you're not supposed to be doing. And I get it when it comes to things like huge parties, which I keep having uh, recurring dreams about. I think COVID and and these things are, you know, into my subconscious because I keep having dreams about uh, parties being broken up 
in my neighborhood. But or, or like you're at a party, like it's a, a wishful thing, or is this a oh, nightmare? What no, is this? No. It's, a, it's a nightmare. It's a nightmare. Okay. I, I keep getting woken up in the morning thinking I'm hearing, you know, commotion and police sirens who are ushering people out of, you know, a house down the street because they've packed it with, you know, 75, 100 people and a party's being broken up. Stuff, you know, just a little issue I'm, I'm having these days with it, when it comes to all this stuff. So all that to say... We know that those types of things are not supposed to be happening. But when we are so held to this individualistic aspect of, well, you know what you're supposed to do on a day-to-day basis, and you've got to make the right decision, and if things are going wrong, the blame is going to be put on you. It doesn't help anybody to understand how they're supposed to move about the world in this time. This is, you know, for lack of better word, it's unprecedented in all ways. And we're still trying to figure out how do we live our lives? How do we do the things that we need to do under the conditions that we're in? So it's, I I really wish that we could do more than pointing blame at individuals and have people in power who are key decision makers look at what can be done to support people instead of being kind of more punitive about it. I know that there are going to be listeners, uh, B, that are listening to your voice, speaking with uh, B. Kwame, who are going to react this way, (laughs) that this should not be about race, it should not be about skin color, it should not be about any of those things, that people know what they should do. And if they do what they're supposed to do, there won't be any trouble. And I think think that response (laughs) is out there, and I wonder if you can address it. You know, that response is out there, and that's a response that, or, you know, a similar frame of thought that I've heard all my life. Uh, You know, it shouldn't be about race. You just work your hardest and you'll be successful. It shouldn't be about race. You just do what you're supposed to do and you won't get in trouble. And it doesn't take much to look at either personal connections. So for anybody who has those thoughts, I would think of personal connections. I would look at things happening in the news. I would look at even if you were not paying attention before George Floyd and what was happening over the summer, um, even earlier last year with Breonna Taylor, race has a lot to do with things that make it very unfair to then apply this idea of, well, if you just work hard enough or if you just do the right thing, the right thing looks different for different people. And that's what bias does. Bias makes the right and the wrong things look different depending on who is doing the right or wrong thing. So it's, it's definitely not a new statement, and I'm sure it's going to be applied to this type of situation where people are going to think, well, if you're just doing what you're supposed to do, it shouldn't be a problem. A lot of Black and Indigenous and other racialized people have been doing what they need to do and doing the right thing, but because of who they are and because of the biases of who, whomever may be on the other end of that interaction, we have seen time and time over again where that situation does not play out fairly uh, or plays out fatally if we even go that far. So it's, it's definitely not a new sentiment to me, um, but I think it's, if I can be frank, I think it's a lazy sentiment. That just shows to me that people are not aware of the world they're living in. They're not aware of the people who are around them, the communities that they're a part of. So that's just a lazy sentiment to me. B, before I run out of time, I just want to ask this because, you know, it's it's been a heavy day. Uh, it's been a heavy w- couple of weeks. And I'm just, I'm just wondering, where do you find joy? <laughs> That's a good question. Uh, joy. I'll be really honest. It's, it's been hard to find those pockets, but I, I do little things um, just where I can. I, I 
take a moment to watch some Netflix and I just kind of let myself escape into, you know, the world of Bridgerton, like millions of other people have on Netflix. (laughs) Uh, Or, you know, I've got two young girls and I hate to talk about the resilience of children because we don't know what all this is going to um, look like for them, um, even once we, quote unquote, get to a new normal. But I look at the ways that my children have adapted and I look at the ways that they're still able to find magic and joy in things. And I let myself be part of their magic and joy. So even doing the silliest things, um, you know, right now our our main thing is they both pretend that they're princesses and I am their royal butler. And I do that (laughs) very willingly because it gives me a moment to just kind of escape my, my day to day. And and they call me Mademoiselle, and I put on a very, very bad British accent, but they love it, and, and that gives me joy. So that helps. Well, Mademoiselle, thank you so <laughs> kindly. I will take my tea in the parlor room. <laughs> oh, it's only for them. It's only for them, <laughs> Alan. Sorry, that's, that's as far as that goes, but, you know, I'll help where I can. <laughs> B. Kwame, great to talk to you. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. That is B. Kwame, writer. And radio host can be heard on this radio station on the program Cultured, 8 p.m. on Saturday. That's the podcast for today. Don't forget the Alan Carter Show weekdays starting at noon.